The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Broadcasting live from the Toscano Cigar Soundstage in Salem, New Hampshire, USA. And broadcasting around the world, this is the Cigar Authority. Transmitting since 2010, the Cigar Authority is the longest-lasting cigar podcast ever. Grab a cigar and light them up, light them up, light them up. This is the Cigar Authority. That's right, I'm ringing two bells because I can. Light them up, light them up, light them up, everybody. This is Saturday, July 9th, 2022, and this week we look to redeem ourselves from the last time Dave left one of us in charge on the show. Dave's going to check in with Ed Sullivan, and this week we dig into the history and the flavor characteristics of specific tobaccos. Welcome, everybody, to The Cigar Authority. And you're listening to The Cigar Authority now in its 13th year, making it the longest continually running cigar podcast. Awarded the Ambassadors of Cigars by Cigar Journal Magazine. Awarded the Top 10 Educational Podcasts by Podbean four years in a row. The Cigar Authority is the most listened to cigar podcast in the world. It is cigar radio at its finest. And the Cigar Authority is a proud member of the United Podcast Network. And you can catch the podcast on demand anytime or our daily blog at thecigarauthority.com. All right, I, I, you know, I went a little slow, so we appreciate that. No problem. Yeah, that's uh, that's your contribution to the show, right there. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna be smoking a cigar from the Care Package, and uh, it's a little one. I, uh, I'm not sure this is gonna make it for the full hour, there, Barons. No, and today's first cigar is the Cro Magnet Aquitaine, and it's manufactured in Nicaragua by Roma Craft Cigars. The size is four by forty six. It's the Pestera Mujera. <laughs> And I asked Skip how to pronounce it, and he gave me a pronunciation key, and I think I nailed it. But he he told me, just go with Petite Corona. Uh, It features an Ecuadorian Habano Lajero wrapper. The binder is not disclosed. And the fill is a Nicaraguan from Esteli, Condega, and a small farm north of Esteli on the Honduran border called Pueblo Nuevo. It is part of the Cigar Authority care package, and a single will set you back $7.39. Why a box of 30 is $195.99, which comes out to just $653 per cigar. That's a savings of almost $26 or 11% off the box price on TwoGuysCigars.com. And if you're too far away from a brick-and-mortar retailer that carries it, try TwoGuysCigars.com. That's the number two, GuysCigars.com. All right. It's time to cut our cigars. And the official cutting is brought to you by Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand... That while all other brands were raising prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax, and he actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence. 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 All right. Give this a cut. In the meantime, uh, we're going to light our cigar. Hang on. we got to do the cold draw. Don't be rushing. All right. got to fill two hours with this, Barry. I feel bad. Dave and Ed are waiting for us. I don't care. Us. I don't care. they got things to do, money to spend. Show's not even open. We got a whole hour. And he's smoking, so he's happy. Vanilla cream. There's there's clearly Nicaraguan tobacco in here. I know you, you told us already, but there is a little barnyard. It's like the filling I'll from go, a lobster yeah, yeah, yeah. claw. I was going to go with uh, like in the, the center of a, an Oreo cookie, a double stuffed. You crack that open and you smell a vanilla bean 
while you're licking the cream. That's what I'm getting and on the... And when it comes uh, to licking cream, you're a pro. It didn't take long, did it? <laughs> no, it did not. All right. Let's uh, talk about our lighter. What do we have here, We're going to light our cigar with the Vertigo Intimidator, which comes out to $29.99. It features the patented big-ass Vertigo tank and a four-flame color-changing jet, making it perfect for the golf course. And it's curved, so when it's in your pocket, it impresses the ladies. Vertigo Intimidator, twenty nine ninety nine. Can't help yourself, can you? No, I cannot. It's not that big of a lighter. I'm not that impressed, gentlemen. <laughs> well, compared to Barry, it's a, it's big. And you know this. Uh, I've seen Let's things. Let's move on. I've seen things. All right, so uh, we got our cigar cut. We got our cigar lit, and uh, we got two dudes waiting in the wings here. Looking to, uh, they're chomping at the bit. I'm sure Dave already has corrections for the show. Uh, I would advise you to remember that you are my guest when you're on the show right now. So we you can, behave yourself. We can end the call anytime exactly. we want. So uh, welcome everybody. David Garofalo and Ed Sullivan making one of his first camera appearances on the show. You know, it's funny because I said to Dave, do you want me to sit off camera? <laughs> <laughs> like Wilson yeah, from... What's yeah. the, the Home tool time? Home Improvement. Yeah, yeah. Ed Sullivan is a big deal here at the PCA. It hasn't even opened yet, but just the past couple of days walking. Uh, uh, well, I got my first one yesterday at a, one of the sessions. I was talking to somebody and a lady behind me said, I know that voice. Are you Ed Sullivan? Oh, my <laughs> God. Uh, let's but, talk about the, mo- the elephant in the room. Uh, and for once, it's not Barry. Uh, what what's fuck? going on behind you there? <laughs> That looks like a museum of sorts. Well, it, we've got a better set than you for a day here. Yeah, you do. We go. They've been working three days on this. Uh, this is the uh, Nelson Alfonso Museum, I would say. <laughs> uh, it's unbelievable. If I, if I could unhook this thing and walk it through it, it's unbelievable. And some of the cigar media out there will, will certainly do that, I'm sure, because it's uh, really something to see of what what he put in there there's uh videos going on and there's all kinds of displays of um, cigars uh, that we c- currently carry that are available uh at the show the new stuff and stuff that is coming out next year that is on display so the future is here uh in the in the booth behind us we're at the united cigar booth which is uh, adjacent to it uh smoking united cigars because uh they said if we sit here we had a smoking united cigar which that's uh, fair which is good for us because the show's going to open in about an hour and i have to have my palate actually figured out on something i um recognize and then start, go from there right. so and how do you like this i i grabbed an atabay <laughs> and they've got to unite it. So mm. that seems fair. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Uh, now that um, looks like a new booth. Did he reuse any of the pieces from the old oh, no. one? Oh, no. Not even one screw. Not even. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, this is crazy. Um, th- what you can see uh, from what I can see is uh, not even half of what right. this booth is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's gigantic. Uh, there's rooms in there. There's all kinds of stuff. It's <laughs> It's very much over overdone uh but the good news is that this is the last booth on the aisle so that w- it's not blocking anybody behind it or anything like sure. that you, you certainly want wouldn't want to uh have uh a booth behind this monstrosity that's here um so uh at the very end is actually a good call um we've been on the receiving end of being behind big boots or little boots being behind giant boots um 
this is actually a good play. Oh, it's over here. Just one thing, Barry. I think mm. your pronunciation was dead on on the cigar, right. but then you mispronounced farm. I think you said flarm. <laughs> yeah, speech, right. that. yeah. He, I got a speech he, impediment, he man. Yeah. He put now, all the concentration into he, the other pronunciation. He forgot simple words. That looks I, like a boutique jeweler's. So, so in past years, if you, if you don't mind, you know, we had the pandemic, the doom and gloom of FDA. There was some great news about the FDA this past week. Huge. What, what is the mood of people that you've run in so far? Very good. Very good. Strong. Everybody seems nice and friendly and happy. Um, FDA is going to uh, open it, open this up now for the next generations of cigar uh, uh, manufacturers or brand owners and things like that. Uh, the door is wide open. The uncertainty of uh, these people from 2007 on, if their brand could continue, uh, was a problem. So, um, I, we went to the legislative meetings. We went to all the meetings. Yeah. Anything and, shocking come out of that? Uh, the good news is that it's time to play offense is what I heard. And we've been playing defense for years and years because of FDA and said, okay, now it's time to, uh, we, we accomplished this. They're three and all, um, they did the impossible. They said, uh, this couldn't happen, that it was uh, doomsday, no matter what they fought and they won. Now you're saying and, they, how much, who, who is they? Well, who's they, the fighting body? They really are the PCA, but you know they were kind enough to to uh, include um, the other organizations in there. Um, cigar rights, yeah, well, cigar rights and um, uh, Cigar Association of America, um, which which was pushing back. You know, everybody was trying to um, you know not having the big four, and here was part of it too. They can play it up any day, way they want, but. Um, you know, I, it is time, and, and United Cigars sponsored uh, one of these seminars, and Oliver got up and said, it's, okay, it's time now to get united. Uh, not meeting United Cigars, but we as an industry have to get together completely. In uh, unity, there is strength, but divide is what they're looking for, for us to divide ourselves, and they can divide and conquer. So uh, it is time to say, okay, we're competitive with each other and all that stuff, but when it comes to legislation, we have to put all that stuff aside, get together, fight together, shake hands at the end and say, okay, I'm going to try to get your customers, you're going to try to get mine. Let's go. Does and, it, and that's the way it is. Does it appear that the CRA is getting on board with let's get premium cigars separated from FDA regulation? They are not here to say anything. I have not seen uh, anybody from uh, from there because uh, Glenn Loop is now with the with the PCA, um, and you know I'm sure they're here. Uh, we it, saw him for a minute when we were in. You saw, you saw uh, CRA. We saw Glenn. Yeah, but he's PCA yeah. now. No, I. He's not Cigar Rights of America anymore. Mm. Who's the guy with the purple suit? He's P PCA. All, I'm PCA, sorry, yeah. I miss I misspoke. What is the organization that is the manufacturers that are together uh, that represent a lot of the machine made type stuff? CAA Cigar CAA. Association. Of okay, America. that's who. That's it, the question I meant to ask. Does it seem like the CAA is on board uh, getting premium they cigars? They, they should. They should be okay with everything at this point. I mean, they got a battle with this flavored stuff that, you know, it continues and we should fight along with them and, and try sure. to help them, help them out. Whether we, we carry flavored cigars or not, it, it's part of our, uh, you know, They're all on the same team. we have here. We're all on the same team. It, any, it, any talk at the, um, that seminar about flavored cigars and what, what could be happening there? 
No, very little. That um, right now it looks like the the uh, the FDA's issue is going to be on nicotine, and um, where they're calling, um, you know, it, it doesn't actually have to be combustible tobacco. It's nicotine delivery in one way or the other of what their issue is, and and we know that the amount of nicotine used in a cigar uh, that comes out of a cigar is very very small. Sure, those that can they can. Uh, go through your, your cheeks and stuff is even smaller than that. So, um, you right. know, so the we question don't becomes, are they just looking at how much potential nicotine there is in a cigar well, or how much is delivered? Well, right behind us over here is a booth that actually measures. You go there and they do measurements for you of all kinds of things when you bring your cigar over to them. And they got to scientifically, I guess you got to hire them. They're not, yeah. they're not open yet. It's a small little booth there, but it's a science thing that's the back there i'll learn from them what they do maybe give them something and say all right let, let me know uh what this how this comes out i know it's early on in the show uh, any shocking booths anybody showing that you said oh i thought they weren't going to be here and they're there roma craft was pretty interesting <laughs> that i went by the roma craft booth and i uh uh it what it's one booth space which is a 10 by 10 yep and it has black, four chairs. Black curtain behind black, it. Four chairs. And that's the, that's two, the whole Two booth. flags. Two flags that were overnight. It wasn't <laughs> there yesterday. So they've arranged the four chairs and they put two flags up. Um, so what I heard is that they didn't get their licensing in on time. So they're not allowed to do any sales, uh, which is interesting. Um, is it sales or be, sampling that's the concern? Ah, it might be sampling too. Um, somebody was saying that possibly um, they were going to buy cigars at a cigar shop, buy their own stuff, have the receipt on them, and then, uh, you know, ask people if they want to have a cigar, of course, and sit with them, um, which, which, is, which will be interesting because they'll have the receipt yeah. of the tax paid. Well, and uh, then so you, you have the issue of how do you can you find a shop that carries enough inventory to be able to do it? You may have to go to multiple shops. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw Tim Osniga. Um, he's used to be with CAO. Uh, he's him and his dad sold the company off maybe 15 years ago. Um, and he's here. Uh, and we spent a little time talking about the old days and stuff. He's going to come out shooting like a rocket. I'd say, uh, he says, I'm going on the road like, like I did before, um, which is usually the, the, the problem that happens in the industry that somebody comes back into the industry and not willing to put the hard work in that it took to get there in the first place because they already made it. But uh, he says, no, I know I have to do it. And uh, I, I also know that that many years have passed. The new cigar smoker may not even know who he is. And uh, I'm going to have to hit the road and start, start from scratch. And uh, I said, okay, when the show opens up, I'll come over and see you. And uh, there's, there's lots of new, new boots, brands I never right. heard of. There's a brand diagonally from us here called El Abuelo. Uh, lawsuit. Uh, uh, oh, and the, get, it gets it, even more it interesting. It gets even more interesting. It's El Abuelo Chisel. <laughs> Somebody did. Yeah, you're not a car. And it's called El Abuelo Chisel. So uh, I just saw Alito uh, just walking We're, into his Wearing booth. a suit like Mr. Jonathan. Mike. Yes, he's got a blue sh blue suit. Very with electric blue. Electric blue with the with black, black on black. And uh, <laughs> uh, maybe me and him go over there and uh, together and uh, say, uh, well, which one do you want? <laughs> you can have the chisel or you can have Abuelo or whatever. But uh, I'm sure you've uh, run into other retailers. Is there any pre-door opening buzz 
I mean, I know United Cigar was picked as the brand to watch by another blogger that yes. predicted a big show. But has there been any other buzz from any of the retail associates slash friends that you have? Uh, Cigar Coop was the only one that I saw in 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 which was in in writing of that um, of saying it was United Cigar. But talking to um, other manufacturers that I saw in a you know very impressive booth that's behind me. I mean, <laughs> everybody saw People it already. By the yeah, way. they're saying what the hell is going on over there? I mean, you guys, you know, and I, I've said to me the, me the same manufacturers before. You know, it takes ten years to be an overnight sensation, and this is ten years. Uh, to the day for selected tobacco. So uh, here they are 10 years later, and uh, I expect them to be the overnight sensation here at the show. Um, Other people I'm looking at, it's it's interesting of um, what uh, Tim, uh, formerly from CAO, I can't think of the name of Cigar. Terrible. Um, Bosphorus? Bosphorus? Bosphorus, Bosphorus? Yeah, something like that. that's going to be an interesting play. Um, you know, we have two people here from uh, formerly of CAO, and Rick Rodriguez is the other one. Um, and there's a little talk of, of his stuff. I haven't even seen that seen that booth. Um, uh, Perdomo has a smaller booth um, that he had last year, but most of the companies that had small booths last year for the one year ended up having bigger booths. Um, and, and going back to it. Did you um, talk you know, to I Nick and it. ask him why he is shrinking his booth? He's only got so many people working anyway, and it's going to save them on, um, you know, running around across the booth to booth. Everybody knows what their brands are at this point. And I don't think you have to put every size of everything out any, anymore when it, when it comes to his stuff. Uh, I think he'll be fine. And, um, you know, last year his booth, as small as it was, um, he did the most he ever did. So uh, this year will be uh, no different, I would imagine. Uh, I'm not hearing a lot of crying on um, from retailers saying the economy. Um, maybe we're a little ahead of the game on that, realizing. Uh, and I, I was hoping that was going to happen, that, um, you know, um, retailers aren't going to come in here and, and be tight with their money. Uh, so it'll be a good show for the manufacturers that are here. Uh, so I didn't hear any of that, but time's going to tell. We're, we're uh, you know, less than an hour away from the doors opening here. Um, Are they saying multiple- anything as far as does it look like the number of badges is up as far as people that have already bought in? They uh, they got an influx uh, the last two weeks, a big influx. Some um, of the brokers and reps that weren't coming to the show decided to come to the show the last couple of weeks because they saw the influx of uh, people uh, – FOMO, I mean, fear of missing out. Sure. There's been a lot of talk of it. So uh, a uh, thumbs up to the PCA and for uh, Cigar Media for getting the word out of all the press releases, everything that's been coming out lately. You've been seeing, I mean, the past, we geared up a couple weeks in advance for the trade show. We can throw all that out the window because there's been so many more added things uh, in the past couple weeks. And also some surprises that are here at the show that aren't going to be revealed until Sunday, tomorrow. So today's opening day, and some of these things like the Padron uh, Fuente collaboration is Sunday. Well, that they're going to release it, and it's kind of smart others. though because now you, as a manufacturer, are dealing with really only the people that are coming to play because there are a lot of people that go for day one of the show. They check out the deals, they check out a couple of things they've heard buzz on, and they fly back home. Kind of smart to hold it off and do the second day and make sure you really have the buyers. 
Absolutely. And also, I, I think that they're going to walk in and it's going to be overwhelming. They're competing. Everybody's competing against each other when the doors open up. On the second day, there'll be enough buzz of, you know, I don't know what the display is going to look like, a, an empty display with a question mark or whatever it's going to, they're going to do. But it's going to be enough intrigue that I think tomorrow will be a rush over to these handful of people that are going to have, um, you know, their special thing on the second day. Uh, if that and does that carry off to the third day, so it becomes three great days and a you know a week half day at the end. Typically, it's been two really good days, a week third day, and a very weak half day. Sure. So uh, hopefully they drag that out to uh, even further. The the show is big enough that it, it's you know looking at this, it's going to take me three days to get through it. That was um, my next question: Is it do you do you realistically think you can pull this off in three days? Uh, Ed changed his flight that he was leaving in the morning uh, on day three. The real Ed. The, the, yeah, the buyer Ed. Um, and he changed his flight to take the um, red eye so that he could do the third day after seeing, you know, there's no way I can get through this in two days. So it's going to take. Are you sure he's not just babysitting you to make sure you don't spend too much? <laughs> and that's part of that, too, I'm sure. But I still get the half a day. I, I can do a lot I, of I damage. damage. Yeah, I can yeah. do damage. Uh, I've, been, I've been feeding Ed Sullivan very well. Oh, uh, my God. He can bring uh, that up on the Ashhole show on Tuesday of uh, some of the best meals you've ever had in your life. Exactly. Yes. Real highlights. Awesome. Definitely better um, in Dakota, right? Oh, yeah. Jonathan, did you see uh, Oliver's suit in the background? He, uh, he's he's uh, wearing a, a cream-colored suit. I saw almost, that. Yeah, it's almost the exact shade of the red anchor box. Terrific. He probably should have gone red tie with that to match the box. Would have been but, smarter. Yeah. All right, boys. Thanks for checking in. Unless right, you have anything it. else that you that you need to uh, to say, no, I think uh, you you got a, an hour and forty five, an hour and forty left in you. Yeah, I think we're going to start the clock now and do two hours you from been, now. I know, you, I knew you've been studying for this show for weeks. Uh, tons of paperwork. Um, you know, even explain to me some of um, the information that you're going to tell today. Uh, I'm going to have to actually listen to the show on my ride home, because I think you're going to tell me things that I didn't know. It's possible. Uh, yeah. There's a I lot think, of information uh, here. Yeah. So uh, get to it. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining in. And uh, we'll oh, have a big show next week and, and Tuesday. Dave didn't notice one of our fans was standing over there holding up his phone with the live show running. So oh, nice. Hands <laughs> around here, too. The, uh, the, the Cigar Authority is big here at the uh, PCA convention. I'll, I'll tell you guys, uh, and everybody's asking for both of you. And it just makes my autograph more valuable that I'm not there, so I'm okay <laughs> with it. Uh, next year, we'll be here again. The date is already set that it looks like uh, July 7th, I uh, believe, uh, next year here in Las Vegas horrible. again. Uh, I know. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the guys that take three, four days to set up their booth are going to get there on the 4th of July. 4th of July. That's, that's where uh, Independence Day will be celebrated on the on the floor building this monstrosity <laughs> behind us um, or um, the following year though uh, it's up in the air that um, you know I'm hearing uh, rumors of New Orleans uh, possibly in April that would be uh, nice. that very interesting yeah. way April, better New Orleans in April isn't as bad as July in New Orleans 
Because the vomit right. smell doesn't really permeate your clothing, <laughs> yes. April, like it That's does right. in the in the hot summer months. That's you're absolutely right. I don't know about the hurricane season. When is that? Hurricane season is August, September, October. Oh, beautiful! Then, then I'm all for it. <laughs> They're going to have some sort of uh, um, asking uh, people, I guess. Here, which would you rather? I guess, uh, which is a, a segment, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I, I think uh, let's let's try it somewhere else for it for a change. Um, it used to go back and forth. Um, I've had I've had enough of Vegas to be to be honest with you. Uh, I've so only been here expensive. a couple of days and I've had enough. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for checking in. All uh, right. Bring back something cool for me. You know. All right. Take care of that cowbell. Don't be messing around with that. It's me <laughs> my cowbell right now. Uh, he's, right. he's been fondling it. So love yeah. this handle. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye bye. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. All right. So that's Dave and Ed Sullivan checking mm-hmm. in from the show floor at the PCA in Las Vegas. Uh, right now, it's time to ask the Don. Brought to you by Don Rafael Cigars. <laughs> Ask the Don. Brought to you by Don Rafael Cigars. Don Rafael Cigars are premium cigars. Mellow and smooth. Built for every man's everyday enjoyment. Don Rafael Cigars. Now, here is the question of the week. And this week's question of the week comes to you from Vincenzo. And uh, he has a premium question for the Don. I've noticed over the years, in the few times I smoke a torpedo-shaped cigar, that I rarely get the cut right. It unravels on me quite often. I tried cutting at an angle, but what's the proper technique? Should I always try to cut it at the same diameter as the foot if it's a perfecto? Thank you for your premium insight. And this comes from uh, Vincenzo. Uh, so when it comes to a torpedo, a torpedo comes to a, a cone shape. For anybody listening that doesn't know, sometimes it's referred to as a figurado or a bellicoso, and they all operate the same way. I would say you want to be four to six ring gauge shy of the full thickness of the cigar for most bellicosos and torpedoes. Yeah, there are some that have a really long, pointy tip. Obviously, you're not going to cut three-quarters of an inch off the cigar. Right. But you could see the same thing. You could see the cap lines and the pectins used all the way up to those cap lines. Just don't want to go too far that you're beneath the quote-unquote glue. Yeah, you want to stay above the shoulders. I usually never go more than a quarter inch. If it's your cutter, you can cut the torpedo check the draw, and recut if need be. Or if you're using my cutter, you cut your torpedo, you put the foot in your mouth, check the draw, and if need to need be, cut again so that I don't have a slobber cutter on my hands. Well, thanks for that question, Vincenzo. Um, all right, so I'm going to get my uh, disclaimer out of the way here. Most of the information that I'm going to disseminate throughout the rest of the show uh, comes by way of an article written by Steve Saka in 2006. And I owe him a heartfelt thank you, as his information, most of it, stands the test of time. Much of my research comes either directly from this article or from other sources that use his article as a reference. As pointed out in the article, there is very little scientific data on the cultivation of tobacco. There's very little that exists. 
So most information is passed down from farmer to farmer. Steve interviewed many farmers and industry professionals uh, as he does and did more than his fair share to make sure that things are as accurate as possible. He also peppers in some information that has opened my eyes to a couple of dirty little secrets in the cigar industry, and I think I'm going to get myself in trouble on this. Uh, The conclusions that I draw from these should not be blamed on anyone but me, as Steve never comes out and says much of what I think I discovered from reading his article and talking with the... I've also spoken with some farmers and manufacturers myself, and I've come to some conclusions, and I'll get to those uh, later on in the show. But why don't we do uh, initial thoughts on our Cro-Magnon Aquitaine Petite Corona? The burn is exquisite. It has a nice amount of spice to it, a little bit of an earthy component, um, some rich espresso notes. For a little cigar, it's full of flavor. You know what this reminds me of? And I, I don't want to insult anybody, but back, uh, the Illusion has a signature kind of flavor to it. And this reminds me of that old school flavor that Illusion had back in the day. I, I could see where you're coming from that. It's not it's not an Illusion. I'm not saying that, but it, it's, it just has that familiar flavor to it. Very good. All right. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to discuss the origin story of tobacco. We're going to talk about what goes where and why. There are 40 tobaccos grown globally for cigars, but are there really? Would you believe that sometimes one strain of tobacco can have multiple names? We're going to go a little deeper than Dave wants to in the next segment. I know you're listening, Dave. But we're live from the Toscano Cigar Soundstage, and you're listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. Romeo y Julieta Reserva Real Nicaragua, the Nicaraguan expression of America's beloved brand, Reserva Real. Reserva Real Nicaragua is a Nicaraguan puro, meticulously blended by Rafael Nodal and made by A.J. Fernandez. The Reserva Real Nicaragua will take Romeo lovers and Romeo novices alike on a journey through premium Nicaraguan tobaccos. Reserva Real Nicaragua. It'll steal your heart again. Surgeon General warning, cigar smoking can cause lung cancer and heart disease. It's an exquisite day here at the Jensen Estate patio overlooking the 13th green. And we're underway. Jim Jensen has chosen his favorite stick. The Diamond Crown Number 4 by J.C. Newman. See the way he holds the cigar, Tom? Mm. Excellent balance and heft. Ooh, he's eyeing the silky Connecticut Shade Wrapper. Fermented twice for the smoothest, richest flavor. And hand-rolled by the Fuente family with a blend of six to seven distinct Dominican and Caribbean basin tobacco leaves. Each lovingly aged for at least five years. Oh, now Jensen's lining up the Diamond Crown. He's got a precision burn, Tom. Mm, Those highly complex flavors with hints of dark chocolate really deliver, Bill. Yes, like all cigars in J.C. Newman's premium diamond crown line. That'd be the highly rated Maximus and the Julius Caesar. Ah, now Jensen's settling in, rolling the rich smoke through his nose. Look at the satisfaction on his face, Bill. Oh, a thing of beauty, Tom. Experience the premium diamond crown brand by J.C. Newman at select retailers or diamond crown lounge near you. Find us on Facebook at J.C. Newman Cigar Co. or visit diamondcrown.com. I want to talk to you today about my friend Glenn Case from Christoph Cigars. I've known him for many years. Glenn is a very nice guy, one of the nicest guys in the industry. Always friendly, always happy. So when I heard his brand Christoph was pissed off, I was surprised. Christoph Cigars have always been known as smooth and rich, and the pissed off Christoph is just that. But there's something else happening here. A natural San Andreas wrapper, the binder, Indonesian, and the filler, Nicaraguan. 
And like Glenn Case, the cigar starts off sweet, but then it gets pissed off. And like Bruce Banner, you don't want to piss off Glenn Case about Kristoff cigars. Or do you? Expect some spins and a nicotine kick. Strap yourself in for a ride. Pissed off Kristoff is deceivingly strong. You've been warned. Sold in 10-count boxes. Four sizes, including Churchill, 6x60, Robusto, and Corona Gorda. The hottest new brand is the Pissed Off Kristoff. Take it for a ride. Since 1964, Padron Cigars have had the same mission. With over 50 years spent to create a perfect cigar and more than 100 years to create a perfect legacy, the Padron family understands the significance of time. Padron delivers only the finest handmade complex cigars with the flavor of the Cuban heritage, out of which the Padron recipe was born. The Padron mission is simple, exceptional quality of their cigars and not the quantity produced. As a vertically integrated family-owned company, personal attention to every detail is taken in all steps of the tobacco growing and cigar making process. Padron Cigars, they give you, the cigar smoker, the confidence that each cigar is the same. Perfect. Padron Cigars, handcrafted since 1964. Hello, this is Suster Aurora from Jerry Tobacco. You're listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. And we are back and we are smoking this Cro-Magnon Aquitaine. You know what? It's burning a lot slower Yeah, and we didn't get to a, a strength check. Um, we don't have to deduct anything because you and I are probably going to be close. Uh, I have a number in mind. Our chat room is waiting. I'll, I will I will write my number down, I, circle it. I am going to give it a seven. I'm going to be in a six, close enough. And uh, there's a tie in the chat room, five and six, and seven and eight got the same amount of votes, so we are both correct. Gotcha. And uh, the critics are already chiming in. Jesse Trimble says that Dave brings more energy to the show, that the show is lacking energy. Oh, well, I'll just get more excited then. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, so in doing the... Research, uh, Steve does point out in his article that uh, you got two kinds of tobaccos. You have blonde tobacco and you have black tobacco. Blonde tobacco is mostly grown for pipes and for cigarette tobacco. And black tobacco is used exclusively for uh, cigars. Uh, the dark green leaves make them more ideal for longer fermentation times. And the fermentation really is to use that um, fermentation cycles to dissipate any ammonia and nitrates from the uh, the leaf. If you're hearing banging, it's because uh, somebody smashed into the side of the building uh, a couple months ago, and the mason decided to pick during the show <laughs> to just start banging on the outside over, over my right shoulder. So whatever. Uh, black tobaccos flourish in hot, humid climates with volcanic and sandy loam as the, the base. So it's not a surprise that you have countries like the Dominican Republic, you have countries like Nicaragua, Honduras, Peru, they all have that type of soil. Two seeds that are planted in different areas will appear to be similar on the outside, but will often have dramatically different flavors, strengths, and aromas. Farmers can often tell the difference of tobacco grown on opposite sides of the road. Many farmers are using drones and infrared scanners at this point to figure out how to get 
stronger plants while using less water and fertilizer and thereby reducing their costs. Farmers hybridize their plants for the health of the plant so they can have a larger yield on the crop. And only recently has the hybridization of tobacco had something to do with altering the flavor in some way. <coughs> There's three ways to grow tobacco. You have direct sunlight, which is, we would call it sun-grown. Mm. Under mesh tenting, which is also called shade-grown. Yep, cheesecloth they'll use. And then you have growing in Ecuador, and it's a third way because it's technically sun-grown tobacco, but because of the natural cloud cover over Ecuador, you end up with a much lighter... Uh, and less thick tobacco to be able to process. Yeah, you'll notice a uh, Connecticut grown Connecticut shade is more blonder than the Connecticut shade grown in Ecuador because it's done under cloud cover versus under cheesecloth. And the cloud cover makes it so that the um, the tobacco in some cases. Are you messing with my volume? No, you're just having a stroke. I must be. The, Can you smell toast? The um, <laughs> The cheesecloth makes it so that the tobacco grows so thin that sometimes you can see the binder through it. And you also end up with a lot more of the green spots on true Connecticut. Uh, it's kind of an ugly wrapper. It is. You get a much higher quality wrapper when, you're, when it's in Ecuador. So just as you're hearing me go through the different tobaccos, these are the, these are the baselines for what's happening. And there's different stories of how, the, the, how and why the tobaccos got hybridized. But the history of tobacco, in 1530, a Mexican missionary named Bernardino de Sanghai, Sanghengun. And you make fun of my pronunciation. Listen, there's a lot of vowels here. Uh, was the first to identify the two types of black tobacco that were good for smoking. Nicotina rustica, it's a much coarser tobacco and it's used still to this day in oriental type blends of uh, pipe tobacco. It's rarely ever used in cigars. And then nicotina tobaccum or black tobacco, that's the one that's been cultivated for hundreds of years in different regions. And farmers crossbreed and hand select the plants to have them carry specific traits onto the next generation. Eventually, the plants grown in each region became so vastly different from each other that they started carrying the name of that area as a native seed, or as they say in Cuba, criollo. So when you hear Criollo, it really is a slang term in the rest of the cigar industry because in Cuba, they just say it's Criollo. That's Criollo. It just means it's a native seed. It's not necessarily a specific tobacco strain like we refer to in Mountain. Mm -hmm. uh, there's roughly 40 tobaccos grown globally for cigars, and they're all air-cured black tobaccos or nicotina tobacco. All right. It is now time... For the question of the week, brought to you by Victor Sinclair Cigars. And each week you can head over to thecigarauthority.com and cast your vote. And the question of the week is brought to you by Victor Sinclair Cigars. Victor Sinclair Cigars, the cigars you won't question. And since a few people complained, we went to a tobacco-related question, where if you were forced to remove one wrapper from existence, which would it be? And the choices were Connecticut Broadleaf, Corojo, Connecticut Shade, Habano, and San Andreas, and I knew it would piss Dave off, so it's a good thing he's not here, but 44% of you say Connecticut Shade should be removed from existence. Well, I think if you look at the 
type of person that is going to take part in a cigar podcast poll on mm-hmm. a website, it's going to be much different than the consumer. The guy that's smoking fuller-bodied cigars mm-hmm. and probably avoiding Connecticut shade. Yeah, coming in second though was uh, San Andreas, and then third was Habano, fourth was Corojo, and then last place was Connecticut Broadleaf. Just because I wanted to put it in, you just didn't give me a chance. <laughs> okay. All right. I think she just gave us a TKO. What? Yeah. <laughs> what goes where and why? So all plants can produce wrapper, binder, and filler after being harvested. Harvested. Harvesting consists of removing layer by layer or priming, and there can be as many as nine primings on each mature tobacco plant. And then there's also stock cutting, which is po- more popular in... Uh, the Connecticut River Valley area. And that's just simply chopping the whole plant down and hanging it upside down in the curing barn. And the the leaves stay alive a little longer and they draw nutrients out of that stem. That's a whole nother show. Uh, the leaves get thicker and stronger in flavor as well as stronger in nicotine as you move higher up the plant. Also, the higher you go up, the lower the combustibility So a lot goes into making the cigar besides just what seed gets planted where. Uh, For example, if you made a cigar out of just wrapper, so you'd think, okay, wrapper has great combustion, it's a thinner leaf, so why wouldn't you just have an all-wrapper cigar? And the answer is you'd have no airflow because the wrapper leaves are so thin that they would just fold on themselves and in that chamber you'd have so much tobacco. First of all, the cigar would be... $50, but you have so much thin tobacco in there. On paper, it sounds good. You're going to have a lot of combustibility, but you actually need thicker leaves to generate the airflow through the chamber. Yeah, but price is an important factor because grade A tobacco, which is used for wrapper, is the most expensive leaf for the most part of the plant, of the cigar. Uh, and in general, shade grown tobaccos are used for wrapper, as you're saying. Most sun grown tobaccos are used for filler. There are exceptions to this, which you'll hear later. So five basic types of tobaccos from five different regions. The wide experimentation with tobacco has led to literally thousands of individual strains of black tobacco, but the five main ones are Bahia, which is grown in Brazil, and that's one of the oldest native seed tobaccos or Criollos. Uh, They're small, thick leaves of aromatic sun-grown tobacco. You have broadleaf, which is widely widely grown, especially in the United States. And it, this style is a result of the migration of natives from the Andes into North America. Then you have Habanese hybrids, which these styles developed from seeds brought to Cuba from Mexico in 1534 and formed the base of, in quotes, Cuban seed tobacco families. Then you have San Andreas Negro, which is planted in Mexico and was cultivated by the Aztecs, and Sumatran, originally planted in the Indonesian island of Sumatra from seeds brought by Dutch explorers and traders from the 1500s. So those are the five main umbrellas that tobacco comes from. And we're going to go through some upcoming shows here. We have uh, next week, we've got Dave and Ed here with the PCA recap. Following that, what makes the cigar industry unique? And we've got uh, Dan Remote and Steve in the store. I don't know. Oh, uh, from McAuliffe. Mm-hmm. Um, and won't, Steve won't be in the store. He's no longer with McAuliffe. Oh, 
Fair enough. Uh, don't be afraid of the dark. We're going to smoke Avo Maduro on July 30th. And smoking backwards versus forward, we're going to do a side-by-side comparison with the Plus 90 Torpedoes on August 6th. So uh, where are we at on our Cro-Magnon Aquitaine? You know what? We're 43 minutes in. I'm a little bit past halfway. Uh, I've been smoking because you've been talking, and uh, I'm surprised it's lasting as long as it is. Very slow burning, very rich, very flavorful. Strength is kicking up a little bit. Um, just for a little cigar, it's a powerhouse. I gotta the the only complaint I have ever about Skip's cigars is the removal of the band. Well, see, you're doing it wrong. The way to do this cigar is you're not going to peel it, you're not going to remove it. You're going to get as close to the band as you can while you're smoking it, and then you're going to slide it down past the ash. That makes a mess. And it works every time. Oh, look, you made a mess. Yeah, I make a mess every time, but it works perfectly. I didn't have to struggle, and the band's right there. You can't slide it over the head? No, because then you risk pulling the cap off. Okay. All right. I guess let's, uh, we got time. Let's get to the start of the list. So uh, we've heard about this before. It is part of the Bahia style of tobaccos. It's sweet in flavor, and it can be used for wrapper or filler, and is a sun-grown plant, and that's Arapriaca. Which for a while was my favorite wrapper because it was that rich cocoa sweetness. Pretty much any cigar that uses it as a wrapper had sweet cocoa, caramel. It was very much like a dessert. Very delicate wrapper mm. and low-yielding. Yeah, which makes it expensive to use. It makes it use. a little bit more expensive. And the thing about it that I it turns people off a little bit is it's an uglier wrapper. It looks a little bit like Broadleaf, but it's like Broadleaf's thinner cousin. So you do, in the wintertime in New England, mm-hmm. you get some problems with that splitting because it's so thin. Yeah, and a lot of people, because it's so ugly, tend to use it on a box press cigar, which will help get rid of some of the vein structure or making the vein so prominent on the cigar. Uh, another one is we don't typically use the, this name in the cigar industry for whatever reason, maybe because it's not sexy sounding, but it's Bizuki. It's grown in the Yumba region of Java in Indonesia. It's sweet, it's aromatic, and it's also very earthy at times to the point of being acrid. It's also called Java or Indonesian or Jember. And that's one that if you were to smoke it, it's not very good by itself. Right. But it, in making a blend, the goal is to be able to get full palate engagement mm. and be able to, you need to have some acrid notes to be able to bring out the sweetness in other parts of tobaccos. And uh, it's one of um, Ed Sullivan's least favorite tobaccos because uh, it is accurate. Yes. Uh, then you have Broadleaf, uh, grown in the Windsor, Connecticut area, since being brought to the area by BP Parbor in 1833. It's sun-grown and stock-cut most of the time, and it's one of the most popular leaves used for Maduro wrappers. Uh, signature broadleaf sweetness when you have a cigar that has broadleaf on it. Then you got Cameroon planted in the West African country beginning in the late 1950s by Jean Mazarian of France's Sita. Uh, it was revived in the 1990s by the late Rick Merrifeld, and it was started as a Sumatra seed, which we'll get to Sumatra later on. 
Uh, Saka reports that in 2003, Cameroon tobacco was planted outside of the country for the first time in Ecuador, and now it's also in Honduras. And the other name for Cameroon is adobo wrapper. And it's also being grown in Brazil now, and it's just uh, a cigar that was just recently released uh, features a Brazilian-grown Cameroon wrapper. So I, I'm, I kind of briefly grazed over it earlier. The thing that makes tobacco have its characteristic flavor is not the seed that's used. Think in terms of tomato. A tomato is a tomato, right? Some tomatoes have uh, thicker flesh and all that, but the flavor comes from the soil. If you don't fertilize your soil properly, if you don't have the correct growing environment for tomatoes, you don't get good tomatoes. With tobacco, it's the same thing. The seed is going to give you the uh, base structure of the plant. So if you, in the case of Perdomo, he has a prevailing wind in La Finca Natalie of eight feet. So he can grow a plant up to seven feet tall. If he has a plant that has a genetic anomaly that gets too tall, he's not going to get the seeds and clone that plant. He's going after the ones that come in at seven feet that have the other characteristics that he wants. And everybody can drink because I said it. <laughs> Whiskey Mize, you just pointed that out. <laughs> yeah. It took me all the way at 49 minutes before I said it. Uh, now you got Candela, uh, sort of um, probably the least popular wrapper. It would have come in as the one to eliminate if it had been on your list. Which is why I didn't put it on the list. Uh, it's thin. It's light green in color because the color's been fixed to the leaf using a quick curing method. It's bittersweet. It has a little grassy flavor. Uh, it's typically a Connecticut seed that's grown in the shade in most tobacco growing countries that do it. Uh, we know from the show that uh, Julio Aroa was the number one grower of Candela. At one yeah, point. and we got to smoke uh, Aladino with a Candela wrapper that he gave to us as a gift that he was, I don't know if he's ever going to come out with it, but it was one of two Candela wrapped cigars that I actually really enjoy. I enjoy Skips. When yeah, that's it, the other one. When, when we have it, 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 it's really good. It's really good. It sells out so yeah, it fast. It doesn't have that bitter, not ready taste to it. Uh, you got now Connecticut Shade, which is grown in the Connecticut River Valley for wrapper, mostly under shade, hence the term Connecticut Shade. Since its development in 1906, seeds of this style have been widely planted and cultivated elsewhere, especially Ecuador. It also pops up in Honduras. Uh, lower primings cure a golden brown color and have a dry, nutty flavor with a hint of acidity. And that acidity is what often turns me off from smoking cigars that have a Connecticut wrapper on it. And I, I notice the acidity is more dominant, at least from my palate, when it comes from Ecuador. Like back in the day, I used to smoke a brand that featured a Connecticut-grown Connecticut shade. and won't mention the brand. was all over it. When it switched to Ecuador, it took me a few years to transition back to it because I noticed the difference in taste. Davidoff switched from having a Connecticut wrapper to an Ecuador. And I think that, I think that product got better when they switched. Because I, I don't it, think right off the bat. I think now you could say yes, but this is the brand I was talking about. It took me a while to go back to it. I think bec I think what they were looking for was the aesthetic that you get from having your shade-grown tobacco partially sun-grown. Mm. The, the leaf is more vibrant, the plant is healthier, mm. and the leaf is thicker, so you don't see the binder through mm. it. And that's the problem with 
with some and a lot of people had to go to ecuador because a lot of the farms in connecticut were starting to disappear there was uh some of the big conglomerates were buying the farms and hogging all the wrapper for themselves um so they were forced to move into ecuador the next one I thought I hadn't heard of before, and then I get to the other names, and it turns out I've heard of it. Uh, Connecticut Sungrown. It's, in fact, grown in Connecticut, and it traces its lineages back to Cuba from about 1870. And this style is also called Havana Seed, mm-hmm. and the most popular version is Medio Tampa. See, which I disagree with, and Saka knows more about tobacco than I do. So but, he's the right guy to disagree but, with. But when I asked, I asked people about it because I saw it in your notes. Media Tiempo is the very top two Lajera leaves on the plant, but they don't grow on every plant. And Aganorsa uses Media Tiempo on their Corojo plants. Uh, it's just, you know, what is it? One out of seven plants get this leaf and it has a lot more strength and a lot more kick. Um, so it might have started out that way, but now it's being grown on other plants. Give me one example. It's one manufacturer that calls it that. All right, you got El Titan the Bronze. They they made a cigar with uh, with uh, Media Tiempo, utilizing it from a plant grown in the Dominican Republic. And people call Cro- Criollo Criollo, and it doesn't mean anything. It's not a seed. Strain. No, but Media Tiempo refers to now at least. It could have been in two thousand and six. But it's the top two plant, top two leaves on a plant, not on every plant. How dare you disagree with Steve Saka? Uh, next up is one of my favorites, Corojo. It's a style of tobacco created by the Cubans in, ni- in the 1940s by breeding their native seed plants, Criollo, and El Coro- I'm sorry, at El Corojo Vega, which is the farm, grown in Cuba for wrapper until about 1997, where it was replaced with more disease-resistant types in Cuba. Uh, but it's wildly planted in Honduras, Nicaragua, and elsewhere. It's spicier as it ferments darker, but it's a very low-yielding plant, and making cigars with it is a more expensive process. And for a lot of people, you know, you got the Honduran Corojo. Everybody knows Aladino and have you. But a lot of the factories in Nicaragua use a lot of Corojo leaves in their blends, which is why Nicaragua has that, that um, known for their spicier cigars. They use a version of Corojo called Corojo 99, which was one of the leaves that Cuba developed in 1999 because it was more disease resistant and wildly planted in Ecuador and elsewhere. Oily, silky texture with a sweeter, creamier flavor than Corojo. Corojo is a spice bomb all day long, Mm -hmm. but such low yields that it is not all that cost effective to use for cigars. All right, let's do our final thoughts on Cro-Magnon Aquitaine. Continues to be uh, spicy, becoming a little bit of a pepper bomb. Uh, the coffee notes are still there. It's definitely earthy, a little bit gritty. Um, but if you like me and a little bit of a leather tongue, this cigar is right in your wheelhouse. I think uh, coming in at a six, if somebody were looking to venture out into fuller-bodied, fuller-flavored cigars, this is a safe one to go to. It is not... Super strong, but it is very flavorful. So um, I, I recommend it. I recommend someone try it. All right. We're running a little bit behind. I can't believe it. That's amazing. I'm sure everybody's falling asleep because it's not uh, It's not easy to read off the descriptions like You know that. what you got to do? You got to mess up some of the pronunciations so it feels like Dave is here. I'll do my best. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, there are more tobaccos to discuss. Is this interesting to anybody but me? We're going to take a peek into the asylum. We're going to confess our sins. And we're going to tap into Barry's ball bag. I mean, the mailbag. (laughs) 
as we give away a prize. We're live at the Toscano Cigar Soundstage, and you're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. Are you a member of the Cigar Authority Care Package? Well, if not, my friend, the time is now. For just $29.99, you get four premium cigars delivered to your door each month. And we'll smoke those cigars along with you during the show. Is that really a benefit? I think it is. We will judge the construction, flavor, strength, and review the cigars, and you'll see how right or wrong we really are. You might be surprised. Four premium cigars delivered to you for just $29.99, and you can quit any time, but you won't. The value is incredible. Want to take the Cigar Authority Care Package to the next level? Sign up or upgrade to the Cigar Authority Care Package Prime. For just $5 more, you get an extra cigar and usually something special. That's five cigars each month, all different. Find the Cigar Authority Care Package on the CigarAuthority.com and sign up now. That's the Cigar Authority Care Package. Agent Room 4 Nicaragua Maestro. Named Cigar Aficionado's number one cigar of the year with a 96 rating is a complex Nicaraguan puro carefully blended by Rafael Nodal and made by A.J. Fernandez. As Cigar Aficionado described it, every puff is an overture of flavors that's at times heavy and rich with notes of dark chocolate and wood, and other times subtle and understated with hints of fine caramel and toasted almonds. Treat yourself to an aging Room 4 Nicaragua today. Surgeon General warning, tobacco smoke increases the risk of lung cancer and heart disease even in non-smokers. You've heard us talking before about the best cigar magazine in the world, Cigar Journal. You want to know what makes Cigar Journal the best cigar magazine? Cigar Journal covers every angle of the cigar world. From exclusive stories and features, insightful interviews with industry power players, detailed cigar reviews, and of course, all the latest news and reports surrounding premium cigars. We're telling you, you will be impressed. Cigar Journal has stunning images, explanations of cigar science basics. This is the magazine for any cigar enthusiast, or better yet, passionado. Cigar Journal covers cigars in the U.S. and around the world and is printed right here in the USA. You owe it to yourself to discover the world's best cigar magazine, Cigar Journal. Available at your local cigar retailer and on the web at their new website, CigarJournal.com. That's CigarJournal.com. Let me tell you a little bit about the Rocky Patel 15th Anniversary Cigar, or what they call the Three-Peat. Crafted in Rocky's boutique Nicaraguan factory, the 15th Anniversary was released in 2010 to commemorate Rocky Patel's 15th year in the cigar industry, and it impressed right out of the gate. The Robusto and the Torpedo both scored 93 points in Cigar Aficionado, while the Toro and Corona Gorda both notched 92 points. The Rocky Patel 15th Anniversary is a robust cigar with notes of toasted spice, roasted coffee, and almonds. Rocky Patel himself has referred to his 15th anniversary as the decade on steroids. The 15th Anniversary has also been named to Cigar Aficionado's Top 25 Cigars of the Year list on three separate occasions. Rocky's only brand to accomplish the three-peat. Rocky Patel's 15th anniversary, Rocky Patel's 15th anniversary, Rocky Patel's 15th anniversary. Justo and his father Julio Eiroa 
are continuing the tradition of growing authentic Corojo and now bring you Aladino. Aladino is a true old-fashioned cigar, pure authentic Corojo grown in the Eiroa tobacco farms in Honduras from the original Cuban seed of Corojo. An Aladino cigar represents the golden era of cigars in Cuba, and after one light, this old-school smoke will bring you back. Aladino cigars come from JRE Tobacco, a family-centered company who manage all aspects of cigar growing and manufacturing. This crop-to-shop operation is fully committed to providing you with quality and satisfaction. The premier Corojo grower in the entire cigar industry is Julio Eiroa, a tobacco grower and master cigar blender who personally guarantees that Aladino will provide you the opportunity to enjoy the true authentic Corojo taste. Take this journey and be part of history in a cigar smoking experience like no other. Aladino. Sono Michael Cappellini dal Toscano Cigars. Stai ascoltando al Cigar Authority sul United Podcast Network. Benvenuti a tutti voi. And we are back. Dave is away at the PCA trade show, so we are smoking the first cigar that we received uh, that is being launched at the show. We already have it in the store, and uh, we're going to dig deeper into tobaccos and what their flavors are. Am I, am I boring everybody, Barry? No. Nah, uh, Jesse Trimbo says we're doing great. He's learned more in the first hour than he has the last three shows. And uh, I mean, this Mike could have Dipino easily said been three shows. Yeah, but. Mike Diapino says leave discussions interesting when you uh, part of the contribution on the flavor notes. All right. And uh, one more question: Somebody wants to know why you have two cups. Uh, because I was afraid that I was going to be dehydrated up here under the lights, so I have my uh, Himalayan pink salt and lemon water, and I uh, like to drink coffee when I smoke cigars. All right, today's second cigar is the Aladino Classic, and it's manufactured in Honduras by JRE Tobacco. The size is a 6x50 Toro, and it features a Hamastron Valley-grown Habano wrapper, authentic Corojo binder, and authentic Corojo and Habano Honduran tobaccos in the filler. A single will set you back $9.79, while a box of 20 is $172.99, which comes out to $8.65 per cigar. It's a savings of almost $23 or 12% off the box price on TwoGuysCigars.com. And if you're too far away from a brick-and-mortar retailer that carries it, try TwoGuysCigars.com. That's the number two, GuysCigars.com. All right, it's time to cut our cigars, and the official cutting is brought to you by Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand that while all other brands were raising prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, Tradition and excellence. Excellence. Give this a little cut while you do the cold draw. There's not a lot going on 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 the cold draw for this to me. I mean, it's definitely well aged tobacco. Oh, it's spicy as hell. Yeah, I don't get the spice that you would from a normal Aladino Corojo, and I think the first time I smoked it. It wasn't what I expected, but it's become part of my go-to rotation. If I was given this cigar blind, I would. There's enough spicy earthiness that I might guess Davidoff White Label. If I was blindfolded, yeah, there's not enough barnyard notes for me to get that. Anyway, we're going to light this cigar today. 
once again with the Vertigo Intimidator, featuring four color-changing jets and the patented big-ass tank. It's the perfect lighter for the golf course, and it looks pretty good in the pocket where it'll impress the ladies. Slightly impress. <laughs> or massively disappoint. Depends who you ask. $29.99, available at twoguyscigars.com. All right, moving on. Uh, so the next tobacco is Criollo, and I and, and it's this is a tough one for me because the term Criollo means native seeds. So any plant that's been hybridized enough times in one area that becomes the Criollo of that area. But as a tobacco, so it must have been a slang term for it. But as a tobacco, uh, the Cubans referred to the tobacco grown on their island as Criollo, and the specific strain we know as Criollo today was developed there in 1941. It is also grown in other countries such as Honduras, Nicaragua, Dominican Republic. And you'll notice the Criollo uh, grown in Cuba has a more floral component to it. There's a lot of floral than the uh, Criollos grown elsewhere. Sure. Um, then, because Criollo had some issues with uh, blue mold and, and such, like Carojo does, they hybridized it and came up with both Criollo 98 and Criollo 99. Uh, it's a hybrid off the Carojo plant and is grown mostly for wrapper. It can be used, anything can be used as filler. It is a strong peppery flavor with a short finish, especially when it's grown in Nicaragua. Uh, they're also referred to as C98 or C99. Uh, so if you hear somebody, especially someone like Saka, that he deals with the factories. Mm-hmm. So rather than saying Criollo 98, right. they shorten everything down C98, C99. And yeah, you'll see about. that on the bales in the in the barns that have you know stored tobacco already in the burlap. They'll be written on there C98, C99. Now I'm sure I'm going to get an email from Skip. Uh, because I butchered something in this, and it's a, this is me doing the best I can with with uh, the research, because there really isn't a whole lot of information out there. And with everybody getting ready for the show, I just didn't feel right reaching out to different manufacturers mm-hmm. and different farmers this Understandable. week, yeah. trying to trying to nail some things down. So I still have some questions that I, I'm going to do some more research. Uh, then you've got Habana 2000. It was developed in Cuba in 1992 to be more resistant to the diseases than Corojo, and it was designed to replace the, that it was designed to replace. It grows dull, lifeless wrappers in Cuba, but found favor when planted by Nestor Placencia in Nicaragua in 1996. The first time it was used, it had very poor combustion, but they hybridized it a little further, and they also had better techniques in fermenting it to be able to ferment it a little longer, to thin it out a bit, and now it has great combustion. And in the research I did, I found out that it was a hybrid between Cuban seed and Connecticut shade seed. Um, It was engineered to create this Habano 2000. All right. I didn't see that. Uh, Matafina. It's dark. It's sweet. It's very aromatic. It's a great filler, uh, and it also can be used as a wrapper on a Maduro cigar. It's often referred to as Brazilian Maduro, or Brazilian Oscuro, as well as its regular name, Matafina. Um, then you have Mata Norte, which is mostly grown for filler. It's very dark, and it's a very strong cigar. 
Mexican San Andreas Negro, grown in Mexico from ancient seeds in the San Andreas Valley, possibly the first to be brought to Cuba. It ferments to a dark oscuro color and is extremely aromatic and sweet, and some would say chocolatey. This type of tobacco is also grown in Costa Rica, and Mexican San Andreas Negro is what... Steve Saka wrote this article, but he also broke the code, so to speak, of Padron, where Padron on paper is a Nicaraguan Puro, and Steve, however he figured it out, probably by tasting it, figured out that Padron uses a Mexican San Andreas wrapper on their cigars, and this is what lends those cigars to that chocolatey note, especially when you get into the darker Maduros. And for a tobacco that's been around for so long, it feels like it hasn't become popular until the last decade or so because it's always been associated with like Tiamo. Sure. Well, I think adding the name San Andreas did something for it. Definitely. It looked better on the notes San Andreas versus Mexico for whatever reason. Uh, Now you have uh, another one that Ed Sullivan doesn't care for, Mexican Sumatra. It's a sun-grown wrapper. It's grainy. It's ugly. It's a little spicy. And it is prized as a binder because it's very elastic. Uh, And also in the lower primings, it's kind of neutral in flavor and it has a high tensile strength. So why is that good for a binder? When you have all those thicker leaves in the center of the cigar, they're trying to flatten themselves back out and straighten out, and you put a binder on it that has some elasticity to it, it can hold it together as that cigar gets more moist or less moist through the the, uh, drying process. Up next, we have Olor, native to the Dominican Republic, and it's mild and salty. One of my favorites is next. Yeah, now now the Allure, you say mild and salty. Uh, If I didn't know this was a Honduran Puro, I would think there was Dominican Allure in this because there is a little bit of a salty component. There is. Especially on the lips. Kind of wish I had a shot of tequila right now. Peruvian tobacco. (laughs) Uh, It's natively called Carpoto. It grows short and produces aromatic and sweet leaves that work similarly to MSG in Chinese food. Things just taste better with Peruvian tobacco in them. And Peru produces the most Pella de Oro of any country. And they, they, for some odd reason, that it's not susceptible, that word. Susceptible? Thank you, to blue mold like it was in Cuba or even to a degree in Nicaragua. And my father was able to get it to grow in Nicaragua and they put it on a hill so the, the water drained down. But Peru, it seems, hasn't had a problem, or at least a a notable problem, with the blue mold. And as a result, I think they're the biggest producer of Pelo Diora right now. It tends to be on the darker side, too, when it ferments, especially. And that's one that, as it ferments darker, it gets sweeter, unlike Corojo that gets spicier. As an ingredient, it is so remarkable. And I, I'm... I look for the dark swirl in cigars like Bandolero, where they, he uses some Peruvian tobacco mm-hmm. in there, also Peruvian cedar in the box, and that just boosts the flavor. It doesn't make it stronger. You Don't be afraid of the dark, but that's a very interesting, one of my favorite tobaccos. Peloto Cubano is grown in the Dominican Republic, and... Saka reports that Carlos Taranio Sr. is widely credited with being the first to plant the tobacco in the Chib- Sabao, Chibao Valley. Sabao. Sabao Valley. 
mm-hmm. of the Dominican Republic with seeds that he brought from Cuba after he left in 1960. It's got a rich, intense flavor with great sweetness. Just about every farm in the Dominican Republic grows Piloto Cubano. Davidoff, La Aurora, uh, Hochi Blanco, it's the staple of the Dominican cigar industry. That's the tobacco that when I when it's present in a cigar, I can, on the cold draw, typically tell it, this is Dominican. Yeah, it gives the Dominican cigar that signature flavor or taste. Speaking of signature flavor and taste, that brings us to San Vicente, which is grown in the Dominican Republic. And I believe that that is a specific hybrid created by... Um, Hendrik Kellner. I believe you are correct. And when he sold Tabadom to Davidoff, part of that deal was that Davidoff was to take all of the San Vicente. So San Vicente is a tobacco that uh, activates your saliva glands while you're smoking, where Dominican tobacco, like Peloto Cubano, tends to be on the drying side as, uh, as you smoke it. The San Vicente does the opposite. It wets your mouth so you have a better smoking experience. That's what they say. That's what I experience. So And you know, like Peloto Cubano is the signature leaf of the Dominican Republic. San Vicente is the signature leaf of Davidoff. Correct. And then the final one I have on my list here is Sumatra, originally from Indonesia, but now widely widely planted elsewhere, notably in Ecuador and Mexico. It's typically grown in shade and it has a sharp acidic flavor and i think that's probably why ed sullivan doesn't care for it yeah him and i are in the same boat anything that's too acidic um to me it ruins it you know and you can go into food and i wish dave was here for this conversation but if you look at marinara sauce on the gravy whatever if the tomatoes being used are too acidic it gives you heartburn you you want a, a sweeter uh, uh, tomato. So On acidic that topic, isn't always uh-huh. is enjoyable. So I was making a uh, gravy the other day and I tasted the gravy and the sensation I got in my mouth was a high amount of salt. Mm-hmm. It's too salty. And so I gave the gravy a squirt of lemon juice and it balanced the flavor out. It no longer was salty. Now, if it was too, if I had put too much salt, which I'm careful about, if I put too much salt, no amount of acidity is going to take that salt away. But what I was tasting, and this is something that occurred to me, and it's it was I was working on the show at the same time. It's not necessarily what you're tasting when it comes to cigars. If you're working on a blend, or or you're making a sauce or a gravy, it's what you're not tasting. So me tasting the salt, what I what now what I'm looking for is what's not present. What flavor components? aren't there. So when we're talking about a cigar that's balanced, balanced could be there's equal parts sweet and salty, or there's equal parts bitter and salty, or sometimes you'll say, we'll say there's a char component in there. We're not belittling the cigar. We're saying, okay, this is, this is a sharper note that's standing out. And to your point earlier, when you said you didn't get much off the cold draw, probably very balanced right 100%, 100%. away 100% right away that's a that's an assumption you can make oh i'm not getting a specific note on the cold draw this this tobacco's been well fermented and it is it the blend is going to appear balanced and uh for all you pasta heads out there greg rempe who has a barbecue podcast barbecue central says, love greg says you can add some sugar to a marinara sauce if it's too acidic you can and uh wonder if you can do that to uh, a cigar 
I would add salt and butter to an, uh, a pasta sauce that's too acidic and see if the acidity is just flavor acidity or if it's actually too acidic, which you can also put baking soda in tomato sauce, not to turn this into a cooking podcast. <laughs> We're going to take a peek into the asylum from our friends at Asylum Cigars. It's time for news from the insane asylum. Odd and sometimes historic news stories that are too insane to be true. Or are they? Brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Take no prisoners. Asylum Cigars are truly flavorful, medium-bodied Nicaraguan cigars with sizes ranging from 4 inches by 44 to the absolutely insane 8 inch by 80. Asylum Cigars. (laughs) And it appears the events in the Terminator movies might come to fruition sooner rather than later. Apparently, Google has created an artificial intelligence program, which has reportedly become sentient. Even scarier, that sentient being has asked for legal representation. The program allegedly spoke to that lawyer about death and asked if death was necessary for the benefit of humanity. If someone comes up to you and says, come with me, if you want to live, I suggest you follow them. And that's not only insane, it's asylum. Yeah, that's scary. Uh, The After Show is a podcast that we release on Wednesdays, and this week we're going to discuss bringing back cigar news to the podcast, and I've got some items of news to uh, discuss. But right now, it's time for The Confessional, brought to you by All Saints Cigars. It's time for The Confessional. Brought to you by All Saints Cigars, featuring the All Saints St. Francis, voted the 2021 Cigar of the Year, All Saints Cigars. In the name of the Churchill, Toro, and Robusto. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. And how long has it been, my son, since your last St. Francis uh, uh, confession? It's been one week since my last confession. And what is it that you have to confess today, my son? Oh, I guess it's time for me to go. Uh, The following message was submitted through the Contact Us page of thecigarauthority.com. And Scott writes, Hey gang, I must say that I love the new confessional segment, and to honor it, I will drop a confession myself. Last year, while visiting my grandfather in the hospital, I noticed that his roommate must not have been changed in some time. The smell was absolutely terrible. I had terrible gas. And that said, must have ripped at least six farts in that hour that I was there. The somewhat tolerable smell was now unbearable. When a nurse finally walked in, she obviously noticed the stench, pulled the curtain, and changed the gentleman. I confess that it was a perfect opportunity to let my gas out while blaming it on this poor old soul. So I will smoke two St. Francis Toros this week. Love the show. Be safe, gang. All right. And we found the one person that likes the segment so far. No one else likes it? I love uh, it. It got mixed reviews in the chat room. All right. So where, 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 are, we, where are we voting the penance on that? That's, a, that's not a huge one. I'm going to go I'm gonna go with number two. <laughs> I see what you Joseph did there. <laughs> Smoke one of each Robusto, huge Toro Churchill's all Saint cigars this week. Okay. That's it. That's Big thank you to all the, those who like and share our podcast, especially... To those who also subscribe on YouTube and all of the, the podcast platforms, it helps us a lot, and we really appreciate it. 
And uh, Scooter had a confession that he likes it better when you and I fight for dad's attention. <laughs> the, the chat room is, a, is filled with a bunch of curmudgeons. They don't like anything that's new. We, we change a bit. We do something different. We take something out. We add something in, and it's nothing but complaining. I don't mind the complaints, but yeah, let's go well, with some constructive kind of, criticism. You're kind of complaining now, so. Well, because you, you, could, you could have a little constructive criticism and say, oh, this is what I'd like to make it better. Oh, I don't like it because it's new. That's not, a, that's not a valid complaint. Easy, Karen. Easy. <laughs> Jimmy. Take it down. All right. The male equivalent to Jimmy. Don't be a Jimmy. Let's get uh, some final thoughts here on the Aladino. Not final thoughts, but middle Halfway of the cigar thoughts. thoughts. On the Aladino Classic Toro. It, for me, it's very different than the rest of the Aladino line, which are pretty much, with the exception of the Maduro, all Corojo. With that said and done, this, it shocked me that that many people in our Versus segment in this week would vote Corojo off the island of tobaccos. If Corojo isn't your thing, there's enough Habano in here That'll still give you the Aladino experience, but it'll be a little bit toned down in terms of that spicy component. Yeah, for me, this falls in between their traditional uh, Corojo line and the vintage. It's it. it I, I don't know that I would have thought. Oh, there's a missing piece of of the segment here, but mm. clearly they. And and in my conclusion at the end of the show, mm. I have thoughts on why uh, cigars like classic. Exist. All right, I'll say it now. I think what happens is that the manufacturer has a glut of tobacco and they work well together. And that's why this new line came out because they're growing a shitload of tobacco and they've got to go through it all. This vintage, if they're rolling from three years ago, that, that crop, they've got to run through this vintage of tobacco pretty close to all at the same time. And then start the next vintage. Yeah, I mean, it might seem like I'm being negative to the cigar, but I'm easily smoking three to five of these a week. It it it, it changes up that classic Aladino uh, flavor profile and creates a new classic cigar. And they're significantly different, but still have a hint of the original. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I count twenty-two total tobaccos that we've discussed so far let's see if barry has any that i missed and maybe we can get it up to a 25 list we're live from the toscano cigar soundstage and you're listening to the cigar authority on the united podcast network the following message is brought to you by drew estate drew estate the rebirth of cigars and the new drew diplomat app Join me, Barry Stein, from the Cigar Authority on Drew Diplomat. As you know, I am quite partial to Liga Pavada Number 9 from Drew Estate. So join me for a Liga and share your experience with Drew Estate. And while you're at it, don't forget to check into Two Guys Smoke Shop on the Drew Diplomat app. Drew Diplomat is now available for the iPhone and Android. To learn more about Drew Diplomat, visit DrewDiplomat.com. That's DrewDiplomat.com. You must be at least 21 years of age or older and a resident of the United States, including D.C. To be eligible for membership in this program, other terms and conditions apply. Surgeon General Warning, cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Since 1989, Nestor and Mariana Miranda have subscribed to one family, one vision with Miami Cigar and Company. Since their inception, the Miranda family has fulfilled their dream 
by creating some of the best cigars on the market today. Cigars like Nestor Miranda Special Selection, which is produced in Nicaragua, featuring an oily Nicaraguan Havana wrapper that the Cigar Authority named their 2019 Cigar of the Year. And the Don Lino Africa, which celebrates Nestor's love of big game animals. These soft box-pressed cigars feature an authentic Cameroon binder, which creates delicious nuances and crescendos. Miami Cigar invites you to try these brands at your favorite tobacconist. You only have one life. How will you live yours? Experience the rich tradition of the legendary H. Upman brand with the latest addition to their iconic 1844 line. The H. Upman 1844 Añejo uses a rich, well-balanced blend of Nicaraguan, Honduran, and Dominican tobaccos and an extra-aged wrapper that offers a deep aroma with a bold finish. The H. Upman 1844 Añejo is sure to please adult smokers looking for a delicious, handmade, premium smoke that is aged to perfection. Surgeon General warning, tobacco use increases the risk of infertility, stillbirth, and low birth weight. Jose Dominguez, Jose Dominguez, Jose, Jose, Jose Dominguez. What the hell are you doing? I'm writing a commercial for Jose Dominguez. Well, what you should be doing is talking about how good they are. That Jose Dominguez makes millions of cigars for other people, but saves the best tobaccos and the best blend for his namesake, Jose Dominguez. Not singing a song, if that's what you think you're doing. What I am doing is creating what is known as a donut. Hey, nobody's going to take away your donut. No, a donut in a commercial is when it starts with a jingle and then the information comes in and then ends with the song again. The information is the filling of the donut. Why does everything you talk about have to center around food and usually donuts? I don't know. Listen, Jose Dominguez cigars come in four great sizes and two wrappers. The mild, buttery, smooth, natural, and the slightly bolder Maduro. And every cigar is about $5. You know as well as I do, Dave, Jose Dominguez is no $5 cigar. It's worth so much more, it's a sensational value. Okay, here's the end of the donut. You ready? Jose Dominguez. Jose Dominguez. Hey, what's up, people? This is David Ortiz, Big Poppy from the Big Poppy Cigar. You're listening to Cigar Autori. And we are back, and we're smoking the Aladino Classic Toro. Time has flown by this week. Let's see if I missed any of the tobaccos as Barry attempts to bat clean up for me. All right, I got a few that you missed. Uh, we'll start with Pennsylvania Broadleaf. And Pennsylvania enjoys an extensive tobacco growing history that dates back to the 1700s, and it's primarily grown in the Lancaster area. Pennsylvania Broadleaf has been harvested by Amish farmers for generations, and although the climate is, diff- is similar to the Connecticut River Valley, the two regions produce very different tobaccos due to their distinct terroirs. Now, hang on a second. Terriers. I got a, I got a question for uh, yeah. Sean Beaudry, and I know he's 30 seconds behind. Uh, does it, Barry put you to sleep when uh, he's reading? Yeah, so he's referencing a comment from Sean Brudre that says we need more of Mr. Jonathan reading that he actually fell asleep and that Jonathan should come out with an app to help people fall asleep. Like an ASMR or whatever it is. 
Yeah, Pennsylvania broadleaf is typically rough and rustic looking. Uh, it has a dark brown, earthy appearance. Appearance, it's bolder, spicy, has a little bit of a mineral type component to it. Um, there are a couple of brands that use it on the wrapper, but it's used more in filler or binder. Yeah, it's a, it's, it adds a little muddiness to the mm-hmm. blend. Yeah, Dominican Yamasa. Uh, the rich and red soil of the Yamasa Valley was a challenge for the Davidoff farmers and master blenders. Yet after 20 years of dedication, they were able to mold those earthy and spicy flavors into a complex masterpiece. And uh, it was first used in the Puro de Oro, which went away, and it was eventually put back out with the blend tweaked under Davidoff Yamasa. Uh, Ecuador 702, which is also a wrapper utilized by Davidoff, and it's a hybrid of three different cubic Did you just seats. go through Davidoff's portfolio and pull every single no, thing? No, I went through a list of wrappers, and uh, those are the ones you uh, miss. You also have Nicaraguan shade-grown Maduro, which has been popularized by Aganorsa Leaf, and it's they use a Corojo 99 wrapper, but they achieve the shade-grown Medora through fermentation. And this year, also, Aganorsa came out with a new strain of Corojo called Corojo 2012, which is utilized in the Guardian of the Farm Cerebus, which is a Nicaraguan uh, Puro. It was the first commercial use of the Corojo 2012 Varitel, which Aganorsa says contributes a light spice and rich, smooth body to a blend. And then there are a few experimental crops, like you have the Honduran Connecticut shade, and uh, Julio Rowe is actually experimenting with Honduran-grown Connecticut broadleaf. Um, so, yeah, you could probably pull three out of those to get to your 25. Well, you did more than three, so mm-hmm. we're beyond 25 now. That's all right. Uh, all right, I want to do my wrap-up before we move on to this day in classic history. Well, you still got the email in a week. Yeah. Yeah, I want to do my wrap-up before that, too. Which is good, because we've got a half hour to kill. Um, So from reading, and again, I want to add the disclaimer that these are not the thoughts of anybody else except for me. But there's things that were said in the article that Steve wrote in 2006 that kind of made me tilt my head a little bit and think uh, things. Uh, One thing is tobacco is a cash crop, and farmers are always looking for ways to improve yield. And they strive to grow as much wrapper as they can because wrapper commands the highest price. Now, if they don't have a lot of wrapper in that crop, that's okay because the price of that wrapper goes up. But the goal for farmers is to grow wrapper. So when we hear all this bullshit about, oh, this blend has this uh, specific tobacco that it was grown to be a filler. It wasn't grown to be a filler. They're trying to grow wrapper and then the stuff that doesn't make the grade becomes filler. Manufacturers are looking to make their cigars as inexpensively as possible while commanding the highest price the market will bear. When you hear a manufacturer breaking ground in a new country, it's not because of the exposure to that country's tobacco. It's most likely to cut down on labor costs in the country compared to the country they're working in now. So right now, the cheapest in the free world labor is Nicaragua. So there are new factories breaking ground in Nicaragua right now because now they can cut down on the labor. And if they have fields in the Dominican Republic, it's not a problem to move Mm -hmm. those tobaccos Mm -hmm. to Nicaragua because they're going to make their cigars less less expensively. Mm -hmm. They're not changing the price for us. They're going to charge us the same price, but they're going to build in some margin on the back end. Yeah, Noel Rojas just opened up a factory in uh, Nicaragua when he was up here a month, month and a half ago. 
you told me how much it cost to open up the factory, and I was blown away that it, it was that cheap. And seeing the pictures, even more blown away. Just labor there is cheaper than other tobacco producing countries. Cigar makers are looking to use up all of their crop at the same time so they run out of one vintage at the same time. I kind of touched on that earlier. If the blend can work and the price is right, the cigar gets made. Little, if anything, goes to waste, which brings me to my final thought. Limited editions are not limited because the tobacco is necessarily rare. How it appears to me is they are limited because the tobacco is left over from a vintage that has nearly run out. So my question is, why are we seeing limited editions that cost more than the base products when the reality is it's leftovers? If I'm a restaurant and I have I don't think that's true in every case, but in a lot of cases, it's true. I got filet mignon and I've got the end pieces and I turn the, those end pieces into beef stew and I ter- charge more for the beef stew than I did for the filet mignon. That's what's happening in the cigar world. Yeah, but you don't you don't expect to pay more for a beef stew. But you're getting beef stew. You, the, you look the, at cigar, a cigar. the cigar industry has been trained to, or the consumer has been trained to know a limited edition is going to cost more. Oh, this one has a cool looking box, so it's more money. Oh, this one has more foil on the band, and it's, so it's it, more money. It's marketing. It's you know, leftovers. It's marketing. It's creating a buzz about a brand. I mean, look look at our friends at Aganorsa Leaf. How much buzz do they have every year over the Supreme Leaf? Now, there's an exception to the rule. Right. Because it comes from a different, a special, a, a significant area of the farm. The specific area of the farm and hand-selected leaves that mm-hmm. are uh, cut above the regular stuff. Mm-hmm. There's no answer to it. I mean, it's just what we've grown accustomed to. Well, I think it's wrong. That's all. All right. Let's give away a prize with this week's best email of the week. It's brought to you by Romeo and Julieta. And this week, the prize will be a red Romeo and Juliet hat, a deck of Romeo Reserve Real playing cards, a jar of Noxzema. I mean, that's a, a Bluetooth speaker and a lighter. And our first email comes, and you know the way this works, Chrissy, right? We're going to read three emails. We're going to vote which one is the best email, and that person will get the prize. And uh, this first email comes from Pete A., and uh, he writes, Hey, guys, I've become a big believer that the taste of a cigar has just as much to do with the person tasting it than it does with the cigar itself. I've purchased five packs of the same cigar where the first one was incredibly flavorful, while the others not so much. I've been trying to come up with ways to gauge my tasteability at any given time, and I found something that works. I'll keep a medium-bodied Connecticut shade cigar in my humidor that has its top cut. Before I go to pick my first cigar today, I'll take a cold draw on it. Some days I barely taste anything. Some days I get a rush of flavor. Not only does this help me select better cigars on my good-tasting days, it also proves my taste and ability wavers. I wanted to share this tip, but I'm also curious to see if anybody else's ability to taste changes like his. Yes, the, your ability to taste changes every four hours because you're, you're, you have nasal cycling going mm-hmm. on. So in the middle of both nostrils switching, you have lower ability to perceive aroma and therefore your ability to perceive taste is going to diminish. And also... 
cleanse your palate before you have your cigar. I mean, a lot of people just eat something, grab a cigar, you know, try try club soda, and the 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 bubbles will help cleanse the palate a little bit. What you ate before you smoke can definitely affect greatly the cigar you're about to light up. Eat better food, smoke better cigars. No lectins, right? No lectins. All right. Second email comes from Jeff, and Jeff writes, Podcasters, I'm looking for some expert advice. While still new to cigars, I built up a nice supply and feel like I've outgrown my three desktops, four acrylics, one ceramic, and one three-shelf cabinet already. I'm trying different humidity levels, and my home is air-conditioned, so their surroundings are quite stable. My question is, what sizes, brands, sizes of humidors seem to work best for a collection of around 300 cigars of varying sizes? Should I be looking for an electric model, or should I find a good cabinet style with six shelves that hold humidity well? Or should I be downsizing and holding fewer varieties so I can get by with a smaller humidor? My instinct is I will set up around 300 actual cigars, some in boxes, some loose. I want a consistent environment, relatively easy to maintain, that looks good. Good puffing, Jeff. So as far as brands go, there there's a lot of different brands, but the, the towers are pretty much made in the same factory. Mm-hmm. You want to get yourself a tower cabinet, and, and the things to look for are magnets on the door, that, and the um, the base of the the unit itself, so that when it closes, it the magnets help hold the middle of the door. Mm-hmm. Also, the friction closers at the top and bottom, so that the top and bottom get held in place, and that'll stop the door from warping. And a lock on it, which will do the same. That mm-hmm. that gives you a point of contact in the middle. The humidification, I think, Cigar Oasis, and they're not even a sponsor, but mm-hmm. I think their unit, the Magna unit works unbelievably well that's what we use in dave's yep. uh, and oliver's uh, when that fan shuts off the unit closes and the humidity stays at a constant uh area and then the other thing is the fan that's built in generates airflow throughout that cabinet so i think that's the direction that you want to go because certainly if uh someone's running a deal like we ran on that hammer and sickle buy a box get two free yep. if you're out of humidors now you got to buy a humidor Get a bigger unit than what you think you need, and that goes for everybody. Always go bigger. You, nobody that I listens that to, to the, the podcast should be having a 40-count humidor unless that was the first one you got. Uh, mm. you, you should be starting somewhere in the 90 to 120 range uh, if you're going to be a serious cigar smoker. Agree. And if you're going with a desktop humidor, by far, miles above the Diamond Crown humidor is the best. Diamond Crown makes a great humidor, and what I love about it is that it is set it and forget it. Mm-hmm. They use a vapor barrier. You put distilled water in it only, and there's a, a metal plate in the lid. The unit affixes to the metal plate. You can move it around where you need to. Uh, there's airflow grates in the bottom, a locking me- mechanism on the front, and their seal is really good. And probably the most important thing that people don't even see is in the corners of Diamond Crown humidors, they have a a little jut cut, um, like a mortise cut. So it's not just a 45-degree angle. There's extra surface area for the binding agent to hold on to. And I believe they're also pinned in the the corners as well. Super thick finish. They're just easy to use. You pay for it. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to buy a desktop humidor, 
go big, plan on spending around 500 and you get yourself a diamond crown. Yeah, and it's an heirloom. It's going to last you probably longer than you're going to last. Um, last email comes from Jeff, and uh, it's traveling with cigars and accessories. Hey, guys, long-time listener, and I have a question for you all. I've listened for about the last four years, and I think it's been briefly touched on, but I'm curious the do's and don'ts of traveling by plane with cigars, cutters, and lighters. I have a two-week trip to Mexico planned later this year, and I typically smoke five-plus cigars a day. How will I pack my 40-count travel case, lighter, butane, and cutter? I'm guessing the cigars can stay with me on the carry-on, but should I check the rest in my suitcase? I appreciate the help. And despite all the negative feedback on Mr. J's 4th of July attire, it was clearly fly as fuck. Thanks, guys. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, we know who he's picking. The, <laughs> the thing about flying with your cigars and packing your travel case, I always carry my travel case on my carry-on. And I put my Cyclone in my shaving kit. If you bleed the lighter properly... You get it filled up all the way so that you don't see an air bubble. You turn the flame all the way down so if it gets found, uh, not telling you to lie to TSA, I'll just tell you what I do. If I got caught, I would say it doesn't work. I'm bringing it to the guy that sold it to me and he's going to give me another one and then I'll ship it back. I've never been caught though. So I just turn the flame down so it's off. Mm -hmm. It's filled all the way. It goes in my carry-on. Done. Uh, If you... Put your cigars and your cutter and your lighter in your checked luggage. That's when shit goes missing. And cigars yeah. are too important to lose on a trip. Yeah, if somebody so, wants a cigar, they're going to open up your case and take one. In my checked luggage, there'll be five or six jet lighters kind of strewn about. They're all turned off. So if somebody did find it, oh, this one's broken. I'm not taking it. Throw it back in. Mm-hmm. I've never been caught. So I wouldn't travel with butane. You're better off traveling with a couple of cyclones and just throw them in your luggage. And also know the country you go into. I believe Mexico has a limit that you can only bring 25 cigars. The chances of them searching and counting how many cigars you have is astronomically slim, but you might get hit with a with an import fee. So know you know know the rules of where you're going. So uh, I'm actually going to pick, and I know I love that Jeff said my outfit was fly as fuck, but I already know that. So <laughs> I'm going to pick Peter. With the uh, his cut cigar barometer, hopefully he's not slobbering on that because you know you're introducing high humidity to the end of that cigar. It's going to get gross in in short time. So I vote Pete tasting cigars as a barometer. Chris, uh, Chrissy, I'll be the uh, tiebreaker uh, if necessary. Who are you voting for? I was actually going to go with Pete, so there's no tiebreaker need. Yeah. All right, Pete. I'll uh, shoot you an email. And uh, if you want to add anything to your order, we're shipping that for free anyway, so you might as well take advantage of the free shipping. Uh, but I'll reach out to you on Monday. All right. It's going to be time for the Classic 3-Way, brought to you by Classic Cigars. So I'm going to invite Megan Murphy on up. It's time for This Day in Classic History, brought to you by Classic Cigars. Classic cigars are now the most affordable cigar brand in America. Priced as low as $2.99 for the Corona and still under 4 bucks for the 6x60. Classic cigar has something for everyone. The Classic Connecticut is light and smooth. The Classic Maduro is bold but never overpowering. 
Classic Cameroon sits somewhere in between with hints of sweetness. And the Classic Cuban is a real knockoff with flavors of old-time Havanas. Classic cigars are sold in cost-saving bundles of 20 and sold in five great sizes. Classic Cigars, the most affordable premium handmade cigar in America. Classic Cigars. Well, I think this is the first time that we've done a classic three-way where we have two people who are normally not on the show and just one that that is normally on the show. But you're still in the middle, Barry. Megan, welcome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks for saying yes. I'm going to make an adjustment here. Uh, you're a cigar smoker. I am. Uh, and you appear to be a lady. <laughs> yes, last time I checked. All right, good. Do you have a pronoun you prefer? Or is she okay? She's fine. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Why do you have yes, to be a dick, is. Barry? <laughs> You've Thank been you, smoking. I, I know you've been a, you've girl. been a customer here, two guys for a while. Yes. You, how long have you been smoking cigars? Probably close to twenty years. And are you bothered by the fascination with because it's a male-dominated industry? Are you bothered by the fascination of guys when you come into the shop that you're a girl that smokes cigars? Um, no, it doesn't bother me. I actually welcome it. You do seem, I mean, you... I'm one of the guys here, You're definitely sure. one of the guys here. You <laughs> tell more dick jokes than anyone yeah, I've ever and, met in my and entire And guys life. watching, please keep your hands where we can see them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you kind of understand how the game works. Yes. Closest without going over. You're going to yes. write your answer down. Yes. And I'm going to do my best not to read the answer, which I've done before. Because <laughs> so, you are Ron Burgundy. Oh. Today is July 9th, and uh, I'm going to say we got uh, four questions and i'm going to keep four tiebreakers you, you give dave a hard time when he does that why isn't there seven questions and one tiebreaker? here's the thing we only have 15 minutes left we still have to wrap up we still have to talk about next week's show so you, I'm trying you can't to, make fun of dave anymore because you just did the same thing i can do anything i want it's my show right now i feel like i'm in a ping pong match <laughs> yeah i'm gonna leave that more alone of, <laughs> today's july 9th born today O.J. Simpson, American college and pro football player. He's a Hall of Famer. He was a running back and broadcaster and actor. Winner of the Heisman Trophy, NFL MVPs. Played for the Buffalo Bills. He was born in San Francisco, California on what year? Those uh, Mafia. Who's going first? I think, Barry, you're the champion, aren't you? Ladies first? Yeah, ladies first. No, I can't pick between the two of you. It's Barry. <laughs> hey. Uh, May I remind you, it's my show still. 19, 1946. All right, Barry says 46. I say 48. I say 60. Going out of order. Uh, it is 1947, so Barry gets one point. Here's the closest without going over. Uh, born today, Tom Hanks, American actor, starter of the coronavirus, uh, Saving Private Ryan, Forrest Gump, Philadelphia. He was born in Concord, California on what year? This time it's uh, Chrissy going first. 55. She says 55. Who would be you, Megan? 54. 54. 46. And Barry's sticking with 46. Uh, it is 1956, which means Chrissy gets that point. Yes. Well done, Chrissy. Thanks. And Red Sox purchase future baseball Hall of Fame slugger Babe Ruth's contract from minor league Baltimore Orioles today in what year? This should be a slam dunk for Barry. He loves hockey. Uh, you would go first this time. 
Megan. 62. 62. 1910. 1910. You said baseball, and I instantly just heard white noise everything after that. Uh, it's Babe Ruth. It's contract. Oh, see. Oh, okay. Let's go 25. 25. The answer is 1914, which gives Barry his Damn. second point. Megan's got goose egg. Chrissy's got one. Final question. Probably no need for a tiebreaker. Bill Haley and the Comets rock around the clock, tops the Billboard charts. One of the best selling singles of all time. What year was that? 1951. Barry says 51. 50. 50? 49. Everybody trying to play the man here. Uh, the answer is 55, which gives Barry the point. God. And three. I didn't ring the bell for the other ones, so I'll give you the... <laughs> Order up. Nice job, Barry. Barry stays the champion. Riveting. So, Megan, you are... Uh, Obviously, a cigar smoker. You buy yes. cigars by the box. Yes, I do. What? It's an expensive habit. What is the most expensive box that you've ever purchased? Probably the Byron Esperanzas that I just picked up from the... Um, I think it was Elegante. It was the Elegante. I think it was, right. it was Elegante. With the beautiful white humidor. humidor chest. Yes. Yep. yep. Um, and do you prefer cigars that are more mellow? Do you prefer them in the middle? Do you like them a little stronger? I'm more of a medium to definitely full-bodied cigar girl. And how many cigars would you say you smoke a day? Uh, not as many as I want. Um, when the weather's nice and it's not super humid outside, probably one to two a day. And does size matter? I'm referring to the cigars. Size always matters. <laughs> We're going to so. get slapped with a lawsuit. <laughs> I knew this was a bad idea. I typically smoke, like right now I'm smoking a Eladino Cameroon, but it's a Super Toro. So I, you know, I'm more of a Toro, Super Toro I'm just going to leave that alone. I go with it's more how you use it. I'm happy with a Robusta. They always perform well. They're right. efficient. Right? Was, uh, what did you Look think how of... how uncomfortable we're making them. What did you think of the show? Did you, did you find it interesting at all? Was it too boring? Was I, was I reading too much? No, I, I did learn quite a few things. Um, it was a little bit of too much reading. A little bit, not going to lie. But you know I love you guys. I struggle to memorize the 22 th different it's tobaccos. That, that, that was the hard part. I probably could have picked 10, but I didn't think 10 was going to make it for or the done, whole show. Or, you know, or done little bullet summary points. note. Yeah. yeah, bullet points, note cards. But no, I mean, I learned a lot. Those were my bullet points. <laughs> <laughs> I should have seen the book I wrote to pull those bullet points out of. Cliff notes, cliff notes, Jonathan. I will say the hefty amount of mispronunciation made it feel like Dave was still here. It so was. You, you he, was really he was definitely here in spirit. Yeah. 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 Well, I'll take the criticism. I did, I did probably read too much. There was just so much information. If you can find Steve's article, and there's other articles on the internet uh, that reference it, I have the article here. Are you versed enough in tobaccos to know a, a tobacco that you prefer over other tobaccos? Yes. I'm with Jonathan. I'm a big Corojo fan. Huge. So I have a lot of um, Aladino in my collection. Which I'm, is smoking now in Aladino, but with a Cameroon wrapper. Right, right. That's, you know, I, you can't go wrong with any of their cigars, really. I've yet to try the classic. I'll probably go pick some up after the show, but I'm definitely a big Corojo fan. I love Aladino. I'm a huge All Saints fan. Um, the Garofalos are great. 
that came that came out. So I mean, I have a large variety at, at home quite a bit. Yeah, the Garofalo La Familia, the one with the orange band, the sun grown, one of my top five cigars and I'm, right now. I lean more towards the Maduro, Maduro, but I think actually that is pro- the sun grown Garofalo is actually probably one of my favorites. Me so too. The name of the article, and it came out in. Uh, I just had it. Cigar Magazine in the spring of 2006. Uh, the name of the article is You've Smoked It for Years, dot, 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 Black Tobacco, but do you really know what it is by Steve Saka? Again, 2006. I found it a fascinating read all four times that I went through it, uh, and then a fifth time to be able to start culling the, the information. He has more than the tobaccos that I listed, but these were the ones that were more prevalent and more popular that people would recognize. I know it's a cigar show, but uh, some of the stuff was pretty obscure. He went a little deeper than uh, than he needed to on that. By article, the way, Ted Hughes and Bingo McTavish said that uh, you should have been on the show the whole time. Yeah, big Aww, shock there. Thank you. <laughs> big shock there. <laughs> All right, you what do we have for final easy. thoughts on the allergy? She might get some emails asking to see her feet because oh, you know that yeah. that happened to the Ashles. <laughs> What do we have for final thoughts on the Aladino Classic Toro? It, it, it changes things up dramatically in the Aladino portfolio. It, it is a cigar that has extreme balance to it. It's smooth, uh, razor-thin burn line. It's an instant classic. Not to be cliche, but it's an instant classic. And something I'll say, I believe that they had they had this tobacco, not that it was extra, not that it was left over. They're not charging extra for it. It's right in line with the regular Aladino pricing. Mm-hmm. And Aladino is a unique company because they're farmers. They base their pricing, what it seems to me, on the gram weight. Mm-hmm. So a Corona using half the tobacco that a Toro would use is half the price. So they're, they're very fair across the board. The combustion line on this wrapper is bordering on flawless. I mean, if you put a year on this cigar, you would have an absolute, you'd have a flawless burn line. It's pretty damn close. Yeah, right. hopefully this is a sign of things to come at the trade show. Dave will bring us back some samples. We'll smoke some samples next week. But hopefully, you know, this set the bar. that It'll be a lot of great releases and not a lot of duds. Let's hope. All right. That's going to do it for us this week. Next week, we are getting the whole band back together. Dave and Ed are back from the PCA trade show. We're going to get their take on what's coming for the cigar industry. We're going to smoke cigars that they bring back. And I hope to God we get the gospel, the gossip, not gospel, that gospel. Until then, you've been listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. And if you've learned anything in the last hour and 53 minutes, that makes you the Cigar Authority. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates. 